Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back here to Bases Loaded here on Shmomi the Money. As you can see, we got a new overlay and graphic here. I want to give a shout out to the great Jake Berlin for doing this. Um, sure, as, thanks, as everything Jake does here for us on the channel, Shmomi the Money is top tier. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, his team, the Oakland A's, is actually doing not so bad to start the year. Like they're in terms of their play on the field. Now, people going to actually watch the games in Oakland is a joke. Like I saw, like it, there was one of the games last week. It was like twenty eight hundred, and yeah. I was like, I I didn't like. Wow, like that's just that's sad. Like it, yeah, it really sucks. It's but really at the same sucks. time, too, like. I feel bad for Oakland fans, and then you see that, and you're like, wow, what's going on? But then you see the backstory on it. I actually have a friend that's up in the area that's working in the Bay Area, and he told me the reason – one of the main reasons why you're seeing that is because not only did they have a fire sale, but they're doing everything in their power to get to Las Vegas. So not only did they fire sell everything, but they doubled cost across the board for season tickets this mm -hmm. last year and yeah, raised the single-game single, single game tickets 30% across the board with concessions as well too so it's almost like they're doing anything and everything i mean chris told us that they they're, they're housing like thousands of cats there at the stadium now too so it's kind of like they're literally pulling out all the punches to try to get out of oakland yeah, yeah. I, I don't know we've, we've talked about it before but it just sucks because especially they've been doing this for almost 20 years now i remember when they were trying to get to fremont and san jose and the giants blocked that just because of markets up there and it's just like yeah, I, I feel bad for the players that are having to go out there in front of those fans because it's it's just somebody that lost a football team knows how crappy it is to watch watch everything kind of fall apart in front of you and there's really a no win situation. So all we can hope is it can resolve sooner or later because it is just a black eye on baseball. Just having having a team with that little attendance and really that little support right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite sad, um, but at least the uh, players are still fighting pretty hard here at the start of the year. I believe they're like at or around 500. So that's still pretty good because when we did our uh, preview and we looked at that roster, we're like, who? Like there, there are a bunch of just like, you have a lot of no names, a lot of guys who not a lot of people uh, know about. Um, but and, and, and that is why we play the games. <laughs> yes. There's a reason why they play them. And it's not just one based on paper, because if that were true, the Dodgers would win every year. Well, if that was true, the uh, White Sox wouldn't be in as much trouble as they seem to be right now with guys dropping like flies and not having the best start to the season they, they probably wanted. It's, uh, it is something here. But uh, that was sort of a small story. The, the attendance at the Oakland A's games – um, but for me, the big story of the uh, of the week, unfortunately, is not a good story. Uh, New York Yankee fans show why stereotypical they are one of the most classless fan bases in all of Major League Baseball. Um, for those of you that do not know, basically what happened is in their game on Saturday, uh, bottom of the ninth, fly ball. Uh, to left, Quan goes to make a play on the fence, runs face first into the metal fencing in left field. Um, he almost catches the ball, almost ends the game, but he drops it, throws it back in. But as soon as he's done, you could tell he's very dazed and confused. Like you can definitely yeah. tell um, that wall rung his clock. Like you, you could just tell. And uh, the fans there in the left field bleachers were cheering that he was hurt. Um, so they paused the game there uh, for a bit. The trainer, Terry Francona, went over there. And then uh, two play the other two outfielders, Oscar M Mercado and former Houston Astro, Miles Straw, saw what, what was going on, and they were not having it. Um, like there was a video that came out today of one of the guys recording. You can't really hear clearly what they're saying. Um, 
if you really want to know what happened, uh, just go look up John Boy uh, Media. He did a about a seven minute uh, video that really explains what exactly happened, and this is only half of it. So then it's I think it's like one or two batters later. Uh, Yankees went on a walk off hit to right center. Um, Yankee fans in right field then start throwing beer cans, water bottles, food on the field right by the players. And it's just it just shows how how classless the stereotypical Yankee fan is. I have a couple of friends who are Yankees fans and and I like to make fun of them. I'm like this is your one character flaw. You're a Yankees fan. Um, I know you're not like this, but most of the ones that I've encountered are this way. They're just just completely rude, classless. They like to say they have all these championships. How many, though, have they won in like the last 40 years? They haven't won that many. Most of the championships the Yankees have is when the competition wasn't the best that they had to go up against. Yeah, I was, I mean, you know, like it's, I think every fan base has these type of people. It just, it just sucks when it really comes out and becomes a national story like this. Like you have a guy like with blood and an injury on the field and people cheering, like there's, there's no need for that. Like, you know, we all love this game and really like the last thing you want to see is somebody get horrifically injured. It's something that you don't want to see in baseball, but especially at the end of the game, like that happens and it happens again and Stanton and judge having to run out there. Into the yeah. And they're like, like, what are you, what are y'all doing? Like, like, that's literally what they were like. What are y'all doing? Yeah. I mean, I'm with Brandon, you know, we, we encounter Yankee fans all the time and you have the paper Jersey, like Yankee fan, basically that, you know, we all hear the 28 rings and everything like that. Um, Yet, when you confront them with logic and tell them that half of their championships were won when the team, when the league only had 12 teams across the board, you, you could just see this dumbfounded look in their face. Um, not only that, but at the same time, too, this is the culture that's bl- bred with the whole like right field, the short porch out there, the bleacher creatures is what they call them, basically. And it's just gotten a little out of hand over the years. Um, I mean, we, we've experienced it, obviously, even before the whole scandal broke out. <clears throat> Uh, going up there and everything like that. I mean, Josh Reddick literally jumped up there and caught a ball and had fans actually put his hand, their hands on him. Uh, it's just it, – it's gotten to be something to where either the MLB needs to step in and do something about it or there needs to be more uh, security and police presence, which there was actually the next game. But uh, I, that right there, enough's enough. You know, when you have a, when you have a fan – and a player altercation like that, like it's gone too far, obviously. And I'm not putting fault on uh, Miles Straw, you know, for uh, having the fire to stick up for his guy because we don't know what was all said, you know. And we we're all human too, as well. You know, that's your that's your teammate, you know, that's somebody that you go to bat for. And there was a long period before he actually jumped up in there and started talking to him and stuff like that. So we don't know what was all said. We don't know. <clears throat> what all transpired in that long length of time, but to, to do that and then to follow up with throwing trash on onto the field is, is absolutely n- no room for that. And again, cause not only are you doing that on your home field, but you have to think about the disrespect too, of like, who's going to actually have to go down there and clean that up. Cause you have field crew, you have your own uh, uh, guys that stay after and clean up and stuff like that, or that are part of the staff. And it's just absolutely unnecessary. Uh, Unfortunately, this is the Yankees, you know, that we're talking about. So the league's going to look the other way on it, and it's going to be a story for about a week, and then everybody's going to forget about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one good thing this day and age is there's cameras everywhere and there's TV stuff everywhere. So hopefully they can track down the fans that were doing that crap and, and punish them accordingly because they have no business being at a baseball stadium if they can't if they can't act right. Most of them were probably extremely drunk. And also they no. have been in- Wait, at a baseball game? Mm. And then also probably, um, unfortunately, being out in the sun for three, four uh, hours probably didn't help that either. Uh, getting a little Sundays there. So you kind of feel bad for um, Glaber uh, Torres, who wins the walk-off hit, 
No one's talking about that, by the way. Yeah. All they're talking about is is these rude fans in left and right field um, that acted the way that they did. Um, like when I saw that on Saturday, I'm like, not surprised. I am not like I've never encountered that. Um, I've been to Dodger Stadium, I think twice. Once was with Chris, actually. That's right. Uh, I'm scared so of Dodger that. Stadium, right? Dude, that was so long ago. And then I went to an <laughs> opening day game once when I lived out there. But I think that's it. And, like, I'm just like, I don't – first of all, trying to get in and out of Chavez Ravine is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's it's in a goddamn canyon. So leaving is just the worst. So, um, I mean, again, I haven't had a bad experience at – uh, Dodger Stadium. Um, like, I don't have a problem with the fans like cheering that he missed, that he didn't make the play. That's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can bust players all day long for not making the play. It's the fact that he was hurt and you could clear he was not a hundred percent and you were making fun of. Like, that's where I draw the line. I'm like, if you make fun or you laugh or you cheer that a player gets hurt. For me, that crosses the line. Like, you can make fun of them for not making a play or having an error or something. Like, that's fine. Like, that's just being a normal fan. But when you make fun of someone that's getting physically hurt, that's that's where I have problems. So, um, unfortunately, that probably is, depending on who you ask, that may or may not be the big story from this past week. Uh, The other big story we will talk about uh, later uh, another story that happened this week, we we didn't think we would see a pitcher hit offensively ever again after we got the universal DH. Thanks to Luke Voigt, that changed for a day. That um, was a uh, I, I learned a new baseball rule that night. Like I, yeah, I really I, like it was like I mean you were watching the game too, right, Brandon? Yeah, I was. Yeah, so it, it was funny because it was the first time I'd been watching a game in a while where everyone really didn't know what was happening. And it's like, wait, the DH is out there. So Stevenson, the, the catcher for the, the Reds, uh, took a forearm shiver from Boyd, who was sliding at home. Stevenson came up the line a little bit, which I think caused a little more contact than there should have been. I, I don't think there was maliciousness at all. It's just Luke Boyd's a freaking tank. So it's yeah, like he's you like, what, of- like 6'4", six, 6'5"? It was like I was like that man's a linebacker. All so you, courtesy uh, to you, Jake. All courtesy to you. So yeah, thank you very yeah. much. I was like, thanks, Jake. It looks nice, but um, but yeah, no. So Stevenson had to get pulled from the game, and their their other catcher was DHing at the time. So we go from him DHing to him catching, and all, next thing you know, the Reds forego their designated hitter and end up having a pitcher hit twice that night. It was so great. I'm like, oh, I thought we would never get this again. This was, it was, it was. A lot of fans thought it was a dirty play by Voight. Um, And I'm like, yes, when you slow it down and you look, it does look like he's pushing his head to the ground. But you got to think, bang, bang, in real time, there's nothing he can do. Like he, well, not only that, like we we talked about this in the in the chat, and we saw the whole Mariznick Lowry collision a couple of years ago too. You know, I I kind of think I've watched it, and look, I don't have any skin in the game, but when you're coming and Brandon hit it on the head, when it's bang bang real quick, Void is completely exposed from the chest up. His natural reaction was to do this, not to catch a helmet or a mask. You know, I don't think it was malicious. I think it was kind of overplayed. I kind of feel like it being a, a a short week and not a lot of stories coming out that the beat writers kind of made this a story until the weekend happened. And then now nobody's really talking about it. I mean, I yeah. know obviously it's in, in, in Chris's market, so he's still hearing it and stuff like that. But after the day it happened here, you're not hearing it anymore, like on MLB or anything like that. So I, I think it was – we, we all – I, I asked a question. We all agreed on it, dude. It, he came up the line. If you don't want to get blasted, get off the tracks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I have all, all the respect in the world for him getting the ball, and not letting it get past it. But hey, this is baseball, and if you rewind and show that play to somebody's from a baseball fan in the '80s in that era, they would have said that that was mild at best, basically. 
Yeah, I, I will say two things. Um, if if Wade wanted to hurt Stevenson, I, I feel like he could have gotten in and hurt Stevenson. Like once again, the dude. Like he like if this was like what five seven years ago, where you oh, he could, would he would have trucked him, dude. He, he would have ran, lowered him. his shoulder, boom. Like yeah, but no, but I was basically say it's my, the uh, Buster Posey rule. Like it's literally what no, it is. That's what it is. Yeah. But it's like, um, the, I wouldn't say the media made that a story. I would say Tommy Pham getting ready to, to fight him in a steel cage is what, <laughs> what made that a story. Because that man, that man's wild. Dude, Tommy Pham went off in that series, by the way. Like he, like, he was doing nothing before, gets to San Diego, and like just he was He was one for 26 going into that series. And I'm like, there's no way he leads here without hitting three home runs. Like I was like, there's no way that's not happening. It's, Did, just, it's what happens. Didn't he hit at least two? Or was it just one? No, I he had three. He had three. two in one game. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like this happens. Like players leave, they come back, they have some sort of vendetta, whatever. Tommy Fan, you weren't good last year. You weren't even good the last two years there. So why should they bring you back? Like after the way that things ended in the last six weeks last year, I don't blame them for not bringing back Tommy Fan. Um, like he's just he just wasn't good. Uh, the Reds right now, whew, that team is bad. Yeah. Like they are not good right now. Um, I think they have two wins, three no, they're, wins. They're, they're three and 13, man. They're looking at the number one pick in the NFL draft right now. <laughs> but, man. uh, but no, and I don't, I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this, but did you guys see what, uh, the Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati ownership was saying, uh, what was it opening day when they were just, just basically like telling the fans to shove it. Like it is not a good situation for a historical baseball city like Cincinnati right now. Like we thought March shot was the worst thing to happen to that team, but apparently, apparently they're, they're, they're trying to up that ante. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw that. Uh, what happened opening? I'm like, this is like, you're just a dick. Like you yeah. just basically said, fans, I don't care what you think. I'm gonna do what I want. Is basically what he said. Like it, like it was bad. Um, so I, I believe the Padres swept that series. So I don't think the A's won a game until yesterday. It was like Saturday or Sunday they won a game for the first time in like a week. Well, they're they're one and nine in their last ten, so they're they're on I, fire right now. I was gonna bring this up, Sergio. <laughs> Joey Votto. You know, Joey Votto is asking. He he's like he's he's trying to send his messages for help with his, all of his TikToks and, and all of his content. Right. There's now. no way he's on that roster August first. No way. He's way too talented to not be on a playoff uh, contender. So I think someone's gonna pick him up. That would be a very interesting piece because I I, I wouldn't mind him here, but. I, I don't know. I feel like that, that's a guy that's loyal to the city, and no matter he, what, like he really he's, he's he's been a he's been a lifetime red. And they could have gotten rid of him many times before, and they haven't. So it'd be interesting if this is the year they finally pull the trigger because that could really really sour that fan base that's already upset. Because he's literally all they have right now. Because they got yeah. rid of Suarez, they got rid of uh, Winker this off season. Like literally, mm. all they have. How are the Reds? How are the Reds and the White Sox, like the two teams, what, two seasons ago in the offseason, be the biggest movers in the hot stove season? And to see, to see like, both of those teams, you know, one's got catastrophic injuries and one completely, like, blew up the experiment before it even got halfway finished, you know? I think it's bad. Like, it's yeah. just – it's rough there for uh, Cincinnati Reds fans. It's going to be a long season. Um, we were talking about like who's gonna have the worst number of losses, D backs or Orioles. The way it's starting right now, it's the Reds. Like, yeah, at this pace, like, will they lose 110 plus? Like, it's gonna be an, an interesting thing to watch, All right? Well, um, I was gonna say, we're, we're at 10th of the way into the season now. Let, let's 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 say it now. Who's gonna have who's gonna have the the most losses in baseball by the end of the year? There's no way that they finish with 30 wins. I'm just gonna like they'll get it together. I just there's no way they'll go 30 in like 130. There's no way. No, I know, but do you think they'll end up with more wins than Arizona and Baltimore, or do you think no. they'll, they'll they'll be the worst team in baseball? I think they'll be the worst team in uh, baseball, but uh, you never know. They could have some prospect that they bring up like May 15th 
turns things around. You never know. That's what I love about baseball. Yeah. It, is, it is a marathon. Doesn't matter how you ask New York Met fans how they feel. Like I have several that are like, yes, I feel good right now. Like this feels different than prior years. And then another one says, I don't care. I want to see what they do in July, August, and September. I'm like, I would be too. Mets have been doing this the yeah. last few years. Um, I've seen the Mets play six games in the last two weeks because they played the um, Diamondbacks. That offense is legit. And it's funny. The So they played six times. They have yet – they didn't face Max Scherzer somehow. They got lucky and they didn't face uh, Scherzer. Um, they did fin- uh, face Tyler McGill. Pretty impressive uh, yesterday. Um, not going to lie there. Um, Max yeah, uh, Scherzer was – no, like, uh, go ahead. What, what were you gonna say? I was gonna backtrack on the Reds. The only reason why I don't think that they're, I think they get it together a little bit better, is not the fact that anything to do with the team. It's just the fact that this is weakest division basically in baseball. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Cubs and the and the Pirates really don't have anything going together. In fact, I honestly think that the Pirates have come out a lot hotter than anybody yeah. anticipated. Uh, but at the same time, the Cubs—they uh, didn't on Saturday. The Cubs uh, have kind of been <laughs> off to a rocky start, and um, I, I just think that the division's kind of weak. You know, um, St. Louis is on fire. Milwaukee is still the same. Milwaukee—they kind of are struggling to figure it out. But uh, I'm still gonna um, lean more towards one of those two teams. No offense, Brandon, but. <laughs> but just because, I mean, when you look at it from top to bottom on the West, like nobody expected Colorado to come out of the gate like this either, too. But I'm sure that we won't be yeah. we won't be talking about how the winning ways keep going on there like San Francisco did last year, regardless. Uh, but to add on to the Mets, yeah, I'm 100 percent with you guys. You know, uh, if it was any other team, I'd kind of come on here. You know, I wish I could. I wish I want to go back and take like a snip screen of your guys's reaction or just not even your action, but your facial expressions when I picked the Mets to win that division. Cause I could feel it between all three of you for like just nicely sitting there like gentlemen, like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm with Brandon, you know, this team has pitched really, really well. And I yeah. think it's the one thing that they have missed, you know, with DeGrom always going down, you know, they have a guy like Scherzer, but uh, I think the Mets really rolled the dice with that too, because we all know Scherzer gets a dead arm in September. So what's it going to happen going into that late push at the end of July, early, early August. He so we'll pitches in his start on, on freaking Tuesday. I mean, he pitched yeah. well, seven <laughs> innings, one hit, 10 Ks, but 102 yeah. pitches in seven innings. And I believe it was his first start of the year. Like he's going to have a dead arm in August. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the big thing for the Mets is going to be if they can somehow manage his innings really from like May to July, because that's really going to be the only time they can't, because otherwise he's just going to want to go because he, he, he's insane, you know, like, he's a crazy man that swears at himself while he's on the mountain, like, you're gonna have to pull him from games, you're gonna have to, to, to keep his arm early, because when it comes down late, you're gonna have to fight him to take that ball. It's gonna be crazy, like... But they have a great manager in Buck Showalter. So I think he'll, depending on where they're at in July and August, they may not, they're like, Max, you don't need to throw 100 pitches when we're up six to nothing in the six. Like we can take you out at like 85, 90 pitch. Like there's no reason unless they're bullpen caves. Um, Like I think you need to make sure that you have it. Like, if your goal is that World Series, you need to make sure that he's able to pitch in October. Yeah. So um, it's actually kind of like the NL West right now is like just neck and neck. Like you have right as of right now, you have a 11 win team, a 12 win team, and two 10 win teams. While the rest of Major League mm-hmm. Baseball is pretty much has the same number. Like there's like five, I think five other teams that also have double digit wins. You got the Mets. The Brewers, Toronto, Yankees, and Seattle. Um, as Blake likes to say, Seattle's going nowhere, so we'll have to see. 
Um, they're starting. They're starting off pretty well there. Um, Mets have looked just good overall, pitching and offense as well. Like they're scoring a lot of runs as well, so that helps. Um, Dodgers are showing just on paper why they are the best team in Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm Cody um, Bellinger got NL Player of the Week. Um, Coming out ho- party on Sunday night, baby. Let's go. Yeah, uh, that's all right. So Padres and Dodgers, which was one of our series of the week. <laughs> it was that, cl- I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. Yeah, Like games one and two were close. Like it was very For competitive. Sure. For sure. What happened to Sean Manaya in game three? Like just yeah. the entire pitching in game three was just, it was 10 to one. Like they just, it was bad. Well, and I mean, I mean, the the biggest thing, and it's it's the biggest hole in that Padres lineup right now is is that pop is really missing o- outside of Manny and and really Hosmer and Profar and Jerickson Profar is one of our best hitters, which I wouldn't have said that in a hundred years uh, to start the season. But there there's some serious concerns in that lineup right now, and I mean, obviously you're missing somebody like Fernando Tatis Jr. You're, you're gonna feel it, but there has not been a lot of slack picked up. You've got guys like Trent Grisham and, and Jake Cronenworth that have struggled mightily. So, Grisham I mean, it's, is, it's, yeah, it's, it's been rough in the early start, but we're going to need to see some guys get hot. And I mean, I, I'm sure it's going to happen, but it's definitely been a, this series was, was one thing that really showed the, the struggles the Padres are having offensively right now. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent in the same boat as Chris. Like we were talking about it before you came on um, after Saturday's game the Astros had a batting average lower than the Diamondbacks as a team. It was 199. Um, that's why I'm not fretting. Just like you're not fretting, Chris. It's April. Uh, we're in these games. We're losing these games by one or two runs, and we're not hitting the ball, which is insane. Uh, so I, I'm right there with you. You know, I kind of feel like this has kind of been uh, a pitcher's first couple of weeks. You know, we've had some phenomenal pitching performances out there across the board. Uh, there have been some hot hitters, but not as hot as what a lot of people have. I don't know if that has to deal with um, spring training, you know, or anything like that. I just feel like it's been a, a sluggish start across the board when it comes to hitting. But I think we'll see that ramp up next next week or the following week after that. Well, it's, yeah. it's someone got started this weekend. I mean, on Saturday you had the, you had the you had the Tigers win thirteen to nothing. You had uh, the Cubs win. What was that? Twenty one nothing. And then even the Mariners. Look at the Bears beating the Steelers on Saturday. I didn't know it was football season. The Bears don't even score 21 points. We know that. Ah. No, that's true. That is very true. No, I was like, wow. Like that was, that was, that was, that was a beatdown by uh, Chicago. So um, nice for them because I don't think a lot of their fans are expecting much from them this season. They do have probably. Um, what most people will think will be rookie of the year and Suzuki there in the National League. Yeah, yeah he's uh, on tear to start the season. So, uh, really, really impressive there. Um, our other series of the week was Blake's Houston Astros against the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, gonna go ahead there. Start with game two, the game Blake was at. Uh, George Springer in his first at bat against the Houston like he didn't play them last year like like he was hurt when they played so his first at bat was this Saturday hits a home run in his first at bat yeah it was a change up the distance location and George literally got all over it um this the series was really really big struggle to me I, I wanted to see the Astros kind of get out of their funk you know and um those two losses were were hard you know, losing by one run, especially having the lead halfway through the fifth, you know, and being tied up into the seventh. Uh, it, it was really cool being at the game, being back at the ballpark Saturday, uh, seeing George hit. Like, I was like, man, I hate you, but love you still at the same time. You know, it was it was cool seeing him out there. Uh, it was cool seeing, you know, that it's a fun matchup because you, you have you have such a good storyline. You have George. You have the uh, Guriel brothers playing against themselves. You got yeah. Kevin Biggio, you know, who's a hometown guy, Craig Biggio's son, you know, yeah. Biggio's in the stands and stuff like that. Uh, 
caught a cool moment. Uh, George and Brantley like meeting up in center field right before the game started because a lot of people, you know, knew how close they were. And then we all realized what a couple of years ago, too. They announced that Brantley signed with Toronto. And then an hour later, we're like, just kidding. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I I remember that. It was like the span of like a couple of days. Springer yeah. and Brantley both signed there. I was like, oh boy. Yeah, yeah but um, you know, game one was difficult. Uh, game two was a really, really big heartbreaker because there were two uh, errors that led to the Blue Jays taking the lead. Uh, but uh, game three, you know, we kind of had some momentum going into it, uh, coming out party, you know, tied it in the bottom of the 10th. Blue Jays score. There's a runner on second and first, and uh, Jeremy Pena, or Ricky, comes up and hits a walk-off to dead center. It's uh, only the fourth time in Astros history that a player young as 25 had hit a walk-off home run, which is a cool stat. Um, I'm really impressed with the way that I've seen him play. I know I've said it a couple of times, and I'm not even going to bring up uh, anything about Correa because I I thought at one point – if with, with with Pena starting and filling that shadow on that role that he was overtaking there at shortstop, he was either going to be really great in the field and struggle at the box, or he was going to be really good at the plate and struggle in the field. But he really has it across the board. And I'm really impressed with this guy, man. And I really think, you know, for him being this young and being able to come up to the the show and basically do what he's doing, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he's going to grow as a player since where he's already started at. Uh, what's cool about it, though, is, you know, um, we have the test again this weekend. Same test. That's the, the the series that we're going into this weekend up in Toronto. So uh, I, I think, honestly, if you go look at the weekend, you could just as easily call that the series of the week this year or yeah. this this week, yeah. obviously. So uh, we're going to get to be able to turn around and do it again. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it, you know, with not having freaking, you know, Jake Odorizzi go out there and eat stuff up. Uh, I, I We do have a positive note. You know, there's a four-game series going on up in uh, Arlington, and they're finally going to let Javier pitch. Uh, so we'll see what he can do. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. The only reason why they put him in the bullpen is because he could not get a third pitch. And as a big league pitch, pitcher, only having a slider and a fastball really isn't going to work, you know, unless yeah. you're going to be just a setup guy. So – He's got. A, he's been experimenting with a off-speed pitch. Um, the sad thing about it is, honestly, he really hasn't decided between a curveball or a changeup. But I think at this point, we all know that you know after seeing uh, Jake go out there twice, the only thing that he can locate really right now is a fastball, and people are jumping all over it. So yeah, especially they, when they know that it's coming. Like these, sure. these players will hit yeah. a, a fastball no matter how fast you throw it. Um, like you need that secondary pitch. So that's why Chris Paddock has always has, has been struggling the last few years. All he has is his fastball. He doesn't have that secondary he's pitch. Got, no, he's got his fastball changeup, but he just hasn't figured out a third pitch is what it is. I mean, his changeup was good, but it's like when you only have two pitches, it's like guys are going to sit and guys are going to wait. And they're going to see one or the other and know what to do. They're with like fastball that. or changeup. Okay, wait on the fastball and then sit back if it's the changeup. Like there's really not a lot to guess. Like, And then you have someone like – Hugh Darvish, who has like five pitches, like you're just, you're like, I don't have no idea what this man's going to throw at me. Like, that's why when you have those pitchers that have three really good pitches or four really good pitches, they are very hard to stop because you just don't know what they're going to throw at you. Um, you. You used to be able to guess in a certain count what pitch was coming. You can't do that anymore. Like, like on a three-one pitch, most of the time you're like, "Oh, fastball's coming." Some guys, their fastball's not their best pitch. Some guys, it might be their changeup. It might be their slider. It might be that wicked bender twelve-six curve. Like you don't, or like a two-seamer. Like there's so many different pitches that guys will throw when they need that strike. Like you can't assume three-zero, three-one. You're getting a fastball. Unless it's Chris Paddock, then you're probably going to get a fastball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, but really quickly, I mean, I, I got a chance to watch a little bit of Saturday's game uh, between the Astros and the Blue Jays, and I mean, just two exciting teams. Every game going down to one run. Like I, I can't wait to check them out again this weekend because yeah, it's it's hard to argue they're they're two of the best teams in the American League right now, and I have a feeling we will see them in October as well. So we'll enjoy these no series really well we can. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, the fact. Uh, Blake, do they play each other again after this uh, weekend, or is this? A- I don't think so. I think that's it. Okay. Um, yeah, because yeah. the Padres and Mets were the same. Uh, they don't play each other again, and they won't because there's no way, no way the Diamondbacks are making the playoffs. So uh, that was it for the Mets and uh, D-backs there. Um, but no, it it was entertaining. Um, I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Alex Monahan, the guy that pitched on Saturday. Manaya. Yeah, Manoya. Yeah. He was really impressive on Saturday. I thought he pitched. Yeah, he was very, very good. Well. Yeah, like he is. I I think he's a guy to keep an eye out here the next few years because he just came up, I believe, like last year. So he's still pretty young. So he might be one of those up and comers that we will be talking about here uh, for the next five six years. So uh, I thought he was really really impressive. An interesting tweet I saw. I think it was Friday. The closer for the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano, like the Blue Jays uh, tweeted best closer in baseball. And I was like, is he? Mm -hmm. Apparently he's had 31 in a row. 31 consecutive successful saves in a row. So I'm like, I guess if you're using that metric, yeah, I guess he is. But I'm like, when I think closer, he's not the one I think of right now. Um, I think Kenley Jansen. Um, actually, who do I think of? Like, there's like there's no one that like. If there's someone I need to get three outs, I'm probably gonna go Kenley Jansen, just because of that cutter, like that cutter. If it's the Padres, then no, I probably don't go Kenley Jansen. Like he... well, I was like, I, I think Taylor Rogers has been fine this year, but I, I think that best closer of the year uh, debate is, is is too early to make. And I, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be making their case. But yeah, man, I, I don't think I could take t- Kenley Jansen in, in the in the clutch ever. I'm just like like no one pops into my head when I think closer. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's not like oh, like in years past, like it was. Yates, like Kirby yeah, yeah, there's, Yates. There's, there's not a name that just pops out immediately to you, like, oh, it's that guy. Like, and I, I think that's good for the league. It's like we're gonna probably see some some exciting closers get an opportunity to make a name for themselves over the course of this year. So yeah, uh, very impressive. Um, let me see. Is our only other, yeah, only other story is an amazing story. Uh, something we may not see for a while now. Miguel Cabrera gets his 3,000th hit single to right, um, which is something he's been doing a lot the last few years. He doesn't have the slugging that he used to, but he's still one of the best. I think he is probably the best hitter in our uh, generation of the last 20 years. Uh, Miguel Cabrera joins a uh, elite club of 3,000 hits and 500 homers. Um, Yeah. William Harold, Miggy, congratulations there to Miguel Cabrera. Got his 3,000 hit on uh, Saturday. So awesome for him. Uh, without a doubt, will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no doubt in my mind that it will be Miggy. Yeah. And like I said before we came on, I mean, you, you already said it, but not only you're not going to see somebody get to that pinnacle of 3,000 hit, but I think it's. It's going to be a long time before we see uh, a guy double dip and have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. That right there, automatic first ballot Hall of Fame. Um, it's absolutely bullcrap that uh, Boone walked him when, when he did. Oh, my God. I like, know. I was, was like, we weren't even going to talk about that. Like, like, that was just – That was the biggest, like, Chuck ever. But at the same time, you know, he got it uh, – I think it would have been a really cool storyline. Not not the fact that he did it, but the fact that he would have had it gone four before that game to get it is the storyline that they stole away from it. But at the same time, awesome career. Um, just what I, I think the one thing that I'll remember about Miggy the most is the one time that he hit the fly ball on the intentional walk when he when he reached over when he played for Florida. Uh, and, and then honestly, too, how many times people counted him out the last three and a half years and how he's just yeah. still gets up to the plate and still keeps uh, making hits. Um, we're not seeing 3,000 hits for a 
hot minute, you guys. Yeah, I know. And I think that's what's so fascinating about this one that happened because, you know, it, the it only seems- active player that's close is Robinson Cano at 2,300. He's not yeah. getting 700 more hits. Yeah, um, we're more so looking at guys like Freddie Freeman, Jose Altuve is probably actually the next one probably in line because he, he's only uh, 31. year is at 2,100. Yeah, he's got like one year left. That's not going to happen. Joey Votto's just over two is just over two thousand. Like he just got over two thousand. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a different game this day and age. So guys aren't trying to get a ton of hits each year. Like I I do think it's going to be very interesting the next time we see one. But I think you've got to look at guys like Altuve. He's thirty one. He's got almost eighteen hundred hits. Freddie Freeman. He's got over seventeen hundred hits, and he's at thirty two. And then you can look at a guy like Manny Machado who as long as he's been in the league and as crazy as it is to think about, he's only at 1445. And uh, the, the other thing about Manny is through his career, he's, he's almost to 1500, but he's also hit 254 home runs right now. So he's, he's halfway to 500. So, I mean, it, it, it would take a lot, but uh, really, if you're going to say anyone could get to that 3,500 uh, club, like Manny's got to be the next guy in line. Yeah. Jose Altuve at 32 at 1700. So like, 1300 more uh, let's just do a little math here so it's like 1300 hits let's say he averages 150 uh, a season or so that's eight seasons so he, he'd be about four like he would have to he'd have to play 130 120 plus games probably like I'm not sure we're gonna see this for at least 10 years probably. Like it's gonna be a while before we get three thousand again. Like this is something that usually happens about once a decade. You typically because the only way to do it is you gotta play probably at least fifteen plus seasons, and you gotta get probably between probably a hundred and thirty, a hundred and fifty hits a season consistently. Like it's it's, it's- it's it's crazy. It's not yeah, it's... easy. That's why it's such a big accomplishment. Like when a guy gets that three thousand hit, like it's almost automatic. Okay, you got three thousand hits, you're in the Hall of Fame, unless you're Pete Rose, mm-hmm. um, where he's not in for other reasons. Um, but no, um, it's there. There are just certain milestones in baseball that if you hit this, it's almost an automatic clinch into the Hall of Fame. Um, I feel like for pitchers, um, it's probably probably 200 wins. Um, well, and you know, you know, what's funny is I just wanted to bring this up and I wanted to double check the names and make sure I was right. But we're talking about like how 3000 hits is something that we see once a decade, you know, it probably won't be seen for a long time. I don't think people remember that Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs got their 3000 hits on back to back nights. Yeah, that. Yeah. Like I remember that a different era of baseball. Yeah. Like there's no way. Um, holy shit. Uh, Friend Mike Deacon in the chat, Mets fan, brings this up. Mets Cardinals ninth inning is a must watch. Mets scored five in the five inning in the top of the ninth. Yeah, so I was scoreboard I, watching that one. Wow. Uh, I may have to re-watch that. Wow, that's it's really impressive. Like, yeah, hopefully the Met, like again, it's April 25th. Uh, a lot of this a lot of these games they do matter because all 162 in in my opinion do matter. Because you could see, like, what happened at the end of last year with Seattle and Toronto missing by, like, half a game. They both win one other game throughout the rest of the year, and they're probably in. Like, that's like that's so crazy to me that, yes, some people say, oh, baseball season's too long. They should cut it down. Except all 162 games matter. Like, they're all important. So I uh, just want to say congrats to Miguel Cabrera. Yes. Um, getting 3,000 hits and 500 home runs is impressive. Usually you'll you'll see a guy do one or the other. Like either they'll be just straight contact hitter and they'll get those bunch of hits, or you'll have a guy who hits 500 homers, but he hits like 230. Like you don't see a lot of these guys doing this. Like this is like it's really impressive. Uh, congrats to uh, Miguel uh, Cabrera. Uh, once he decides to put it up, 
um, which could be this year. Um, he's definitely heading to the uh, Hall of Fame. He made his season debut, his career debut, when he was 20 years old in 2003. 2003. <laughs> like insane. he, like. He was average, like he averages 187 hits a year. That's how you get 3,000 hits. Is you got to average that crazy amount for tw- like 20 plus seasons. Like, like he's in his, like that's really his career batting average is 310. That's 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 amazing. Like well, there. I was going to say, I, I have a feeling he's going to stick around for a while because he's owed $32 million next year, $30 million the year after that, and oh, $30 million in 2025. So get that paper. <laughs> okay. All right. He may uh, – he he could – all right. Let's see. Like, where is he? He is – so he's 32nd all time. Um, he could he could pass Craig Biggio at three three thousand sixty. He's fifty eight hits away. I just don't know how much they're gonna play him. Um, oh no, he he won't play a lot. But I mean, he's gonna be a thirty two million dollar guy on the bench. <laughs> just because, like last year, he got a hundred and twenty hits. That's not too bad. It's probably one of his lowest seasons in terms of batting average here um but no there was that period of a couple years where like he gets mvp just because he's playing like he was that dumb yeah. he was the one was of the most one of the most feared hitters at the plate like he was yeah. seriously one of the most feared hitters um at the plate um i just i can't think of any other player in the last 20 years that's the best hitter of this generation. Um, Cause he would play consistently. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, was, like, he, he hasn't he played a lot since about 2017, but from like 2016 to from 04 to 2016, he, he played 150 plus games every year. Like he was consistently there. And like, it's just fun to think he came up as a third baseman and a left fielder, but he's known for being a, a first baseman and a DH now. Yeah. Just because he's not the most fast, not the most mobile, just like I, another player that's going to be a first ballot hall of famer, Albert uh, Pujols. Same thing. He came up as a third baseman and left fielder, but the last 10 years, he's primarily been first base and a DH. I feel like Blake's wa- watching the Astros game right now, and he's not happy. <laughs> he's like, huh? What? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Same story. Are you, are you not day. watching your? Are you not watching your Dodger? Your your Diamondbacks against the Dodgers? Uh, I watched the first inning, and I have the game on pause. And I'm going to watch it once we're done here. But no, uh, they're oh my god, I like they. It was just ridiculous. Like, all right, so starts the game, walks Mookie Betts, gives a double to Freddie Freeman, then a double to Trey Turner, and it's 2 nothing after four minutes. I'm like, yeah, this is what they do. Like, they beat – like, people are like, oh, the Padres are like the Dodgers' little brother. Well, then what are the Diamondbacks, the freaking kid on the playground that they bully? Is that what it is? Because it had – like – They've always just destroyed us. Like they've they have manhandled us for like the last decade. Like it's just every time we play them, I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, Jock is doing pretty well for the Giants um, up there yeah, too. Yes, um, he was a great pickup for them. It'd be interesting to see if Jock can get his third World Series in three years with a third different team. Got he, he got it with the Dodgers in 2020. Yeah. Got it with. The Braves last year in 21. Can he do it with the Giants in 22? It'll be something interesting there uh, to watch. Um, but I think yeah, like play 20 really doesn't count, you know. Uh, right. uh, not a real, not a real trophy. Not a real trophy. Championship. Um, but as Blake said, I think our series of the week 
will be Astros and Blue Jays again. I was looking at the weekend series. Like, like there's Mets and Phillies. I was going to say there's two other ones. There's Mets and Phillies. Mets, and I, yeah, I think for twins, sure. twins and Rays can be can be very fun to watch and interesting as well. Also, I mean, do we want to talk about how it, just the worst umpire in baseball is Angel Hernandez? The worst umpire in baseball is all of them. But, okay. You guys didn't respond to this in the chat, but what is worse, that called third strike on Kyle Schwarber or that called strike against Gene Segura? It was like 18 inches inside, and he called so, it a strike. I'm, I'm still Angel gonna Hernandez. go with the. I'm still gonna go with the one on Schwarber because that that was the game. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. that that was the game. But uh, that was the game. Yeah, Her, Hernandez that night, seventy-seven percent. I saw that. I'm like, oh my god, this man is so bad. Well, and then I don't remember who his name was because I've stricken it from my memory. But uh, Friday, Friday night, uh, the umpires in San Diego were so bad. Even even both pitchers were laughing. It was so bad, and I think he was at seventy nine percent that day. So it's just there, there's been some horrible. I mean, I, I know Brandon, you follow on scorecards, and if anyone watching doesn't follow them, um, scorecards on Twitter is amazing. They'll give you a breakdown of each uh, game. Show home you plate was a Ron Culpa. So the fact yeah. that most Major League Baseball fa- uh, fans know the names of umpires is a problem. The fact in robot sports, robot we should ups. not know these guys' names. Like, we really shouldn't. Like, the fact that we know these guys and, like, they're just as famous as the players, that's a problem. Yeah. Like, yeah, I two saw... Games, two games under 80% this weekend. That, that's not acceptable as a... If your profession is, I saw someone tweet out they should get a five hundred thousand dollar fine for each missed call. I'm like, how much money do you think these guys make? They 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 wouldn't be able to cover half a call. Yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty sure they get paid half that, if that. Like, I know these guys are bad. Like, but I'm like, yes, should they get fined for missed calls? Something like what Angel Hernandez is, yes, but when it's it's yeah. a missed call at like first or a foul ball. It's fine. But when it determines the outcome of the game, like, dude, Schwarber was heated. Oh, like, I thought he, he was throw, man. He was dude, he yeah, was, I loved it. I loved if you it. look at it. if you look at one of the angles too, you can literally like see how he's mouthing. And he he literally told him, he goes, it's both sides. Both Yeah, teams, he's not just mad about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The no, entire game, he's yeah. like, You were at least he was fair on both sides. Mm-hmm. Just both calls were getting these egregious, just awful calls. All, all we can hope is is these scorecards and, and these umps, like they, they put the right ones behind the plate in October because Lord knows if we see crap like this in the playoffs, they're, if they're, I see they're Angel Hearn not going to be well. Oh, he'll be in the World Series. I know he will because he's – oh, my God. Probably all about tenure. Uh, robot pumps. Anyway. Robot pumps. They all right. They are trying it in minor league baseball and some of the leagues, and apparently it's doing somewhat well. Um, it will. Just, it will change the game though, because if guys know that 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 umps aren't going to be calling things and it's a strict strike zone, I think you're going to see a lot more people holding off the pitches because they'll do that that tennis thing where they go to the line and everyone claps and they show that slow motion replay and. Uh, I think they're Bryce Harper says he likes the human element of it. I'm like, do you like missing that called third strike right there? Yeah. That was I mean, like it, six inches off the plate. It's it's all fun and games until it affects you, right? Yeah, it, it's just it's just a mess. Like these umpire, I I'm I don't know what sport is the worst. Like I think all the three major ones are pretty bad. Like yeah. baseball, basketball, and football, they're all pretty bad. Like during like right now as the NBA uh, playoffs, you've seen you're seeing a lot of these games where there's just like just huge discrepancies between the two teams and free throws. Well, uh, and, and honestly, what, what it comes down to is a, a lot of the, every league. These guys have been in the profession for so long that they're not as fast as they were. Their their eyes aren't as good. You know, it's just like get your eyes start check. Bringing, they need to start bringing in younger officials in every sport, and so they can actually like be there and be on top of things because they give these guys tenure, they give them seniority, they stay there forever, and and all of a sudden, I mean, in a game like baseball where you need your eyes like that, like it's huge to have these guys like 50, 60 years old behind the plate, like 
guessing on balls and strikes. It's amazing. It's simply fantastic. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Um, yeah, it like I saw that last time. Like Schwarber, I'm I'm pretty sure all of Major League Baseball uh, players and fans were with you right there when they saw that call. Um, and the thing, it's the bottom of the ninth. It's a three-two count. He yeah. gets on via walk. It could change the outcome of the game. Like it's Angel Hornet. And I saw a uh, video of when he Angel was uh, leaving the game, and fans were just yelling at him. Um. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan, you're right. Like there, there's not a lot of judgment calls in baseball. It's either. It's very black and white. It's either right or it's wrong. It's either an out or a safe or it's a ball and a strike. It's fair or it's foul. Like it, there's not a lot of judgment saying, oh, that guy was holding him. That's why he couldn't get free. You don't have that in baseball. It's a lot of yeah. just right or wrong. So um, that was that I, I saw that last time. I'm like, damn, like that's not right. So. Um, very interested to watch the um, the Houston and Toronto series this yep. uh, weekend. Let's see if Houston can match what uh, Toronto did in Houston, take two and three. Because um, I think this is a ALCS preview. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be very exciting to watch. Uh, Blake, any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, we need a catcher. Yes, you do. Martin Maldonado and Jason Castro. Uh, anybody, just pray be a catcher. Hey, do you want uh, Carson Kelly? Like, Martin is excellent. He's never been a hitter. I'd say Carson Kelly. But, man, like. Dude, Carson dude. Kelly started the year like uh, 0 of 22. And his first just, hit was a fly ball to right that Starling Marte dropped because of the sun. Yeah. Like, is I, that there's really two things. We need. We need everybody always needs pitching, so we'll just. I'm not gonna leave, I'll leave that out. I need a catcher and I need to figure out if I can designate a manager for assignment. That's what needs to happen basically at this point. Yeah, uh, you're <laughs> you have said multiple times you are over the Dusty Baker uh experience at this point. Like, I, honestly, I would rather have a spotter who was Hinch's like right-hand man at this point. I mean, he literally can't make any worse decision-making at this point. I, I honestly, I don't get it. Like, like this is, this is the the reasoning that you always scratch your head on. I, I, I know that like, even he's a rookie, but you have Jeremy Pena that led off for two games in the Toronto series that thrived in that position. And then we go to Arlington tonight after he walks, walks it off and he's batting ninth. And you're just like, Why? Why did we put McCormick up there that's barely batting 200 and you put Jeremy Pena at nine hole? Like, it's just – nothing him. makes sense. Nothing, yeah. nothing freaking makes sense when it comes to Dusty Baker. Second lead off. It's insane, man. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, it's early. Uh, we've got some great storylines uh, going on. I just love that it's here. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the rest of the – year has for us i like to see that we have a lot of teams that we already counted out at the beginning of the year actually showing some life and kind of like surprising us um but man it's just awesome to come home and actually turn on tv and there be games on at this point so i'm i'm happy for it i'm here for it and i'm just i'm ready to get to the thick of it i think at this point which sounds really premature to say this early in the end of the season of it but it's almost you know I don't know, man. I just feel like as a fan, we have a lot of unfinished business and I, I want to see this team thrive. So starting out slow has been really, really grueling to me. But at the same time, we, we all know that it's, it's, it's only April still. So yeah, yeah, it's April 25th. We haven't even, I think we've done what we like 17, 18 games here. 10th of the uh, way. So we're just over a 10th of the way. I mean, <laughs> If that's true, then the Dimex get about 60 wins. So I was like, uh Sounds about right. Hey, as long as I don't get triple digits, I'm fine. I am fine with that. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts? Well, he wants a catcher. I would like a catcher, a first baseman, a left fielder, a right fielder, a center fielder. <laughs> Basically no, man, every it's... position but third and second and then choice yeah. In, in shortstop eventually, yeah. But no, no. Honestly, like, you know, above 500, 
struggling here and there with the bats, but they'll wake up eventually. And so not really worried too too early. Like obviously a tough series loss to take against the Dodgers this early in the season, but you know, it's 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 a long road, man. We're we're super early into it. We've got a nice little road trip here. Uh, got Pittsburgh and, and a few and in Cincinnati and a few beatable teams. So good things coming, hopefully. So yeah, uh, Max just it's funny. Their starting pitching has been extremely good. Uh, offense took like a week and a half, two weeks to decide to play, uh, but they've done. They've uh, offense has done pretty good here the last. Uh, four or five days, so let's hope that they can uh, keep it going. Um, so yeah, uh, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we will see y'all next week. Yeah.